Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Jason Burke. Jason is a contributor at Dorkside of the Force and Fansided, and formerly a contributor and feature columnist on Bleacher Report. Jason also is a friend uh, and has shown us a lot of support. How's it going, Jason? Going well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, for sure. Happy to have you on. Tell us or tell the world. We know where you're based, but tell the world uh, or anyone who's listening where you're based in the world. Well, I am uh, in New Jersey, born and raised. I'm by the uh, by the city over here, so about 10 minutes out. And do you come to New York City a lot where we're based? or You know what? I um, I probably don't go there as much as... Uh, as I should, you know, it's like one of those things when you, I always compare it to when you're young and you have a, have a pool, you know, it's like, it's just always there. So right. <laughs> you don't always go in it, but, uh, yeah, I always have a good time when I am there. What is it like growing up near New York city? Obviously maybe the greatest city in the world, shameless plug. Um, cause we're here, but <laughs> like you said, you kind of implied you took it for granted, but growing up, what was that like? Did you come here a lot? Yeah, no, I mean, my dad always worked there. Uh, he was a union guy. So um, we were there a lot. A lot of my family's based in Brooklyn, actually, um, which kind of dwindled down now between people retiring and passing away and things like that. So I did spend a lot of time actually in parts of Brooklyn growing up. You know, I did do a little when I was in construction at some point in my early life, I did go into the city a lot. So uh, I was there. I was there quite a bit. You know, I, I don't know if there's a, a huge difference for me having been near it all the time. You know, it's just kind of part of what it was. You know, I think I'm definitely more acclimated to this area as far as um, I, don't, I don't know if I'd trade it for anything else, maybe the shore or something like that. But, you know, I'm definitely comfortable around here. Does location play into the role of a writer? I think so, because I think life experience would play a, an important part of what you write about. Definitely you know, would have something to do with influencing your beliefs, you know, where you grew up, how you grew up, what kind of family you had, whether you were rich, poor, you know, that type of thing. So I, I think it all has some kind of influence on you. And I think it definitely would influence the writing in some way. And you're a writer specifically now, well, for both sports and I would say Star Wars. Have those two things always been a part of you or something that you've been passionate about? Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, I was always a big, more of a baseball guy than anything. I was always a big, uh, uh, Mets fan growing up. So I always liked, I always enjoyed that. And, uh, I was always a big Star Wars guy, but I, I'm kind of an entertainment guy in general. You know what I mean? Like I love all the, uh, I was a big comic book kid, big fiction guy. So it just kind of all went hand in hand, but you know, I, I've been watching Star Wars since, you know, since I can remember. But I think I enjoyed it from a, almost like a philosophical type of uh, perspective, if that makes sense. So you're writing about Star Wars now, but what about during all that time, you know, those 20 or 30 years where there was no Star Wars? Were you, you know, just a, a kid who was a fan? And then, you know, like, what are your thoughts given that it's all kind of resurfaced now and if anything is almost oversaturated? Yeah, I actually tend to agree. There's a little bit of oversaturation. I don't know if it's just different, too, you know. so. I was obviously alive in the middle of the original trilogy. Actually, by the time it was done, I was pretty young. You know, I was probably only like four or five. But, um, you know, I, I loved it after that. You know, it, it was always around in some way. You know, Lucas was always re-releasing them with all these little 
changes and things like that. And uh, he'd re-release them in the theaters, and I'd go with all my friends. I think where it's a little different now, I remember when he was finally going to make the prequel trilogy, and it was like, you know, this this palpable excitement that built up over. And I think it was almost too much excitement. Like, it was, it was almost no way for him to live up to that level of expectation, whether he liked it or not. I think what's different now is after he finished that, there was, you know, you always knew you were going to get comics or maybe cartoons or things like that. You, you thought it was kind of over as far as the overarching story. And then, uh, you know, Disney swooped in and Disney talks about it going on forever. <laughs> which, it, which it likely will. Yeah. Yeah. They'll find a way, you know. And, you know, for the most part, I think they've done a, a, a decent job. But it, it's, it's a very different time, too. We didn't really have the Internet running around or, you know, like 100,000 million people, you know, telling us what's right about it, what's wrong about it. And that's part of the oversaturation of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also would say that uh, Marvel, Marvel uh, Studios plays a big role in that oversaturation. I know it's going to sound weird, but what I mean is I think everybody's trying to compete with what they're doing. And uh, I think somebody like Star Wars needs to take a little time to create you know, what they're doing instead of trying to pump out a movie or two every year, which is kind of what DC fell into as well. You know, Marvel just happens to to just be really good at what they do and everybody's trying to mimic that now right and, and i believe uh disney tried that with solo right and it kind of realized that maybe they should kind of pump the brakes a little bit on that um as far as writing about star wars i know you were writing for leecher report before how did you get into all of that i mean were you a writer yeah, I've I've always been a writer, you know, for for years and years, and then I, you know, I I have a family, I have kids, so I kind of um, got out of it by the time with that Bleacher Report stuff and and some of the other stuff I was doing. And uh, the funny thing is how I started writing for this again was I I kind of just talking to my kids. They knew I always wanted to do it. I, you know, I went to school for journalism. You know, ended up in in finance somehow, uh, just because life happens. And uh, they're always like, oh, why didn't you do this or that? And, this, and, you know, and I said, well, you know, I always still can. So it was kind of like they challenged me and I kind of made a bet with them that I could, I could be a you know, published paid writer if I wanted to. It was kind of to show them. But at the same time, it's, it's been rewarding because it's something I love to do on the side. So, so I guess I got to thank them mostly. And as far as Dork Side of the Force specifically, can you explain to us just for those who maybe don't know, Dorkside, Fansided, those are related sites, correct? Correct. So Fansided is actually owned by, I believe, Sports Illustrated. I actually have some kind of connection to Bleacher Report, believe it or not. And um, there's, I think Fansided has about 300 different Yeah, I've seen sites. those accounts, yeah. So a lot of those started off, I think, as sports sites. You know, the, like the Mets will have a page, the Yankees will have a page and, and whatnot. And it's kind of moved into the entertainment at Netflix and even popular shows arena. So their version of a Star Wars site would be the dork side of the force. And that's been going on for probably a couple of years now. So at least uh, four or five years they've had that site. And what makes that site different than other Star Wars sites? Because I know some are a little more speculation-based, some are more, you know, review-based. Well, it's funny. So dork side, uh, even actually the entertainment site, they allow you a certain amount of freedom, but they also watch over you a little bit. 
So, you know, they don't want you just throwing out total speculation just for the sake of it. You know, you have to you have to make sure you have some kind of reputable site if you're going to quote something. But they do allow you to to be opinionated. You know, they they actually encourage that, but they want you to be opinionated and also back that up. Um, something yeah. we usually touch base on, at least a little bit, is that the climate is yeah, a little intense these days. Does that affect your writing for Star Wars? Do you see that ending? Is there a new hope? I always like to use that um, so, shameless yeah. pun uh, with JJ coming up with Nine. I think Nine is one of those things that's going to be liked by whoever likes it so far, and it's just going to be hated by whoever hates it. Now, if you wanted my opinion, what I think they should do, and I did write an article based on this, I think they need to go to the past. I think they should, right after this, go to something like Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, the reason why I think that is you could start fresh and you're not... Part of the problem is Star Wars is a generational thing, if you really look at it, right? So there's people who are like 50 years old from the original trilogy or whatnot, who are in love with it, and nothing else is going to compare to that. And then you have people like, you know, the younger generation, like even my kids' age, who grew up with prequels, might be even a little older. And they kind of look at the original trilogy as, eh, that's okay. And then you got the new fans with obviously what's going on now. So I think if you wanted to try to bring all that together, you got to start fresh. And uh, I think that would be a good place to go with it. But uh, it's very interesting talking about the climate because I've, I've definitely got a lot of backlash for some of my opinions. <laughs> and we talked about episode nine. There are also multiple other Star Wars series coming out, right? There's the Mandalorian coming up. There's the, I believe, untitled Cassian Andor project. There, mm. And then there's rumored, or I guess it's coming up later, there's the guys from Game of Thrones doing a completely separate series right and then i think then there's like another ryan right yeah, yeah am i am i accurate in the upcoming star wars uh content? yeah that's what we're seeing right now okay. um you know it looks like a lot of those standalone films as far as whether obi-wan you know was going to be get done or what was the other one? Oh, uh, boba fett it looks like right. they kind of took the elements of boba fett to make the mandalorian so they kind of nix that which i think is the right way to go right now after seeing what happened with Solo, you know, I think I think people are kind of looking for something new from them. And they're kind of done with this whole 30-year history that they're trying to, to do here. And uh, they want something new. I'm, ho I'm hoping the uh, Game of Thrones guys, you know, uh, Benioff and, and those guys are doing the Knights of the Old Republic, though. That's going to be my guess. I don't know what Ryan Johnson's going to do. <laughs> I wonder if it's <laughs> there, there were rumors that it's going to star that kid at the end of the uh, Last Jedi that pulls the broomstick. Speculation, well, he's of course. A, he's a nut. I mean, uh, I kind of, I kind of love Ryan Johnson. Yeah, let's get into that. I would love to get your opinion on on Last Jedi in general. I know that that sure. that one particularly is a big part of this whole climate we talked about. But what's what are your thoughts on that film? I know it's, everyone's very polarized. Right. So uh, actually, the first article I wrote for Dorkside was about The Last Jedi. And it was when they, uh, after it came out, and, and I forget the title exactly, it was something like, oh, The Last Jedi is the ultimate letdown movie. And that's why it's so great. So I, I loved it. And I think I'm kind of like a different fan as far as, you know, I just felt 
it uh, subverted expectations, but I think it did it well. Um, not all of it worked. You know, I know some of the Cantobite stuff was not everybody loved that stuff, but I loved what he did with everyone else. I, I mean, I loved Luke's arc. You know, a lot of people didn't like that, but um, I think it was an interesting way to go as far as he felt, you know, the responsibility of, of Ben. I loved that they made Ben the big bad now. So who knows what's going to happen going in there. And I think, I think part of it was, you know, for two years or three years or whatnot, people were trying to guess the lineage of Ray. Right. And they were trying to guess who Snoke was. And I kind of love that Ray is nobody. And I kind of hope they don't fix that because part of what made the originals so good was it felt like anybody could tap into this, you know, this force, whatever it was. And I think the prequels kind of sterilized that a little bit. You know, they made it like, ah, oh, you have the midichlorians, you have to do this, you have to do that. But, you know, the originals kind of had this weird feel when I was a kid, like, oh, anybody can do that. Well, they also and, had a, a level of mystery to them, right? You're dropped into this world. They talk about um, the Clone Wars, but you don't quite know what that is. And it's this dusty, um, true. you know, mysterious world. And I think there's been a lot of explaining and filling in the gaps of that mystery, would you say that that's the case? That some of this comes from just like maybe an over-explanation? I would agree with that, yeah. You know, it, I had a problem with the Solo movie, not because it, I disliked it as a film. I never wanted it. And the reason why I said that, I, I mean, I don't care that they made it. But the reason I said I didn't want it was I kind of like not knowing what made him tick, that he was just that way. And whether it's, you know corporate profits or something moving this it's like oh we got to find a way to to milk every last bit of cash out of this so you know we'll make a solo movie and just explain everything out you know how he even got his name and all that kind of stuff and uh sometimes i think it's better just to have a little mystery to it let's talk you know? writing specifically from a writer's perspective if you are going to say there should be a star wars story which star wars story should be told or who would you choose to tell you know, I was always interested in maybe Obi-Wan uh, in between what he did, you know, all those years. I kind of like the idea of that. I just, you know, I like Ewan McGregor in the role. So, you know, I think there's something there I would be interested in. I know that kind of goes against what I was saying before, but if I was going to do anybody, I'd do that. If I was going to do one of the stories, I think there's still some kind of interest in that, too. I think so. It, it keeps coming up, right? They keep saying yes, no, yes, no. And I know Ewan's been on like every platform saying he wants to do it, right? The thing he has going for him is the older he gets, it might be better for him. You know what I mean? Like right. he can do it now or he can do it in 10 years. True. And if you did tell that Obi-Wan story from a writing perspective, could you think of something like just off the top that might make an interesting tale, so to speak, for Obi-Wan during that middle time? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I know they they explored a little bit on Rebels. I don't know if you had seen that where, you know, I think Maul had yeah, found them. Right, right. And I thought that was a really cool the way they handled that. And they kind of built it up and just everything happened so fast. Obviously, you know, I don't think they could retell that in movie form. It's already done. But there could be a lot of cool things as far as him trying to help Luke from afar. Luke never knowing about it, you know? even later. I, I don't know what that would be. I'd have to sit and think about that. But like, there could be some interesting, interesting things there as far as that's concerned. 
with that said, and I don't know if we've talked about this in the show or not, Star Wars fan fiction, where would you consider that from your perspective? Do you guys cover that? Uh, if someone was to write their own Obi-Wan story, does that deserve its own like attention and consideration? If it's done well. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, I don't really do the fan fiction stuff. Uh, I don't think they would. I think they would allow us to to write about that, especially if it's a, a very well put together story. I'm all for it if that's what people want to do. I just, I don't know. It just does. It doesn't do much for me. There's just so much of it too to sift. Right, right. But, uh, but you know what? I wouldn't mind reading like a, a a little blurb about what kind of fan fiction is good at. Yeah, I feel like it's in a weird kind of gray area, right? Because you could have a website, like you write for a website that's specifically about Star Wars, but mm-hmm. and then there's all this content out there that's fan fiction, but it doesn't quite get its shine. I think some of it is just that oversaturation where the, right. there's just so much of it, you know? And um, unless you're kind of in that world, I don't think, I think it's a lot to sift through. It's a lot to go through. I mean, it was pretty big years ago, right? There was a lot of that stuff going on, and now it's probably you know quadrupled. I wonder if um, there was more of a desire to tell fan fiction during those years in between. Even oh, though, I'm sure. You know what I mean? There's probably a lot more people not really telling fan fiction, but more, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Saying, this is how it should have Right. Uh, I see that stuff a lot. There was a guy, uh, was it Michael Barrett, who did, you know, what if the prequels were good? There was a whole series on that. He did three of them. They were done very well. Kind of worth checking out. But um, they, I see a ton of those on YouTube and, and things like that. I don't really watch all of them because, like you so, said, I mean, how much can I... I take in, you know, but, uh, but I think you're right. I think when we didn't think anything was happening, there was probably this huge burst of stuff out there and much more craving for that. Hey everyone. We just wanted to take a quick second to thank you, our listeners for your continued support. The writer experience podcast has been self-funded from the beginning. So whether you're an aspiring writer who has taken inspiration from the podcast or just enjoy hearing from professional writers, please donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash writer experience. You can also go to our website, writerexperience.com and click the Patreon button. Thank you again. We really appreciate your support. And now back to the show. You mentioned uh, what if the prequels were good? Were the prequels bad? I mean, I know in hindsight, obviously, at the moment, I, I feel like when they came out, everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, this is it. And then when the dust settled, so to speak, everyone realized, right. okay, well, these aren't quite what we maybe wanted. And then now looking back, I feel like some people's opinions have changed. I actually do feel like they're getting a little more, as the new stuff comes out, they're kind of getting a little more um, love thrown their way than they used to. Right. You know, it, you're right. When it was over, it got a lot of heat. Listen, they're flawed. I think the story is kind of there. For me, they always felt like a good first draft of a story. It always bothered me that he has these things going into the original trilogy that just don't make a lot of sense, right. um, that he really could have fixed. Leia recognizing her mom for some reason, you know, her mother died when she was young, but childbirth. There's just a lot of things there that I, I didn't understand how he could make the connections. But um, I think overall, as a story, they're not... They're not bad, but they just always felt like a like a first draft. I mean, I always felt 
the first and second ones. I think the first one isn't as bad as everybody made it, and there's just so much expectation and weight put on that one that it was it was going to be hard to overcome. But there's a lot of good stuff in there as far as you know, Darth Maul, Obi Wan, uh, Qui Gon was great in it. I think the second one is definitely my least favorite, and the third one is good, but it's a little rushed. If that makes sense, everything happens very fast. It almost like it could have spaced that one out maybe a little bit, in my opinion. You mentioned that they feel like a first draft from a writing perspective. Is that to say that when you have a first draft of something that you should always go back and keep editing it, obviously? <laughs> For me, it would, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> Sometimes I publish stuff and I'm like, I'll read it over the next day and I'm like, oh, I could fix this and that, you know, but, um, but I'm neurotic stuff. So maybe the uh, those videos shouldn't have been, what if the prequels were good? Maybe it should have been, what if George Lucas went back and edited them and right. just cleaned them up a little bit, removed a couple characters, you know, yeah. and just, you know, I don't know. Is there any documentation on George Lucas doing rewrites? I'd be really curious to know, like, what his process is. Maybe we should have him on the show. You should. Get him on. <laughs> Let's talk. You also mentioned sifting through a lot of content. I imagine as a writer of Star Wars news, a huge part of your day is sifting. Walk us through a day in the life of writing for Dorkside. Well, Dork Side's a little different because it's, it's just straight up Star Wars, whereas the entertainment side, I can go anywhere, you know, and I just got to get approved to write. Dork Side is, you know, there's a bunch of us, and especially in a period like now, I mean, there is stuff going on, obviously, but there also isn't, you know, so there is a lot to sift through. And, you know, I'm always checking every day, seeing if there's something interesting. But at the same time, you know, there's always interesting stuff to write about like i'm i'm working on a piece right now about the bet that lucas made with spielberg you know i don't know if you ever heard about that the, the 40 million dollar bet that, no, tell all right, about it. So yeah tell us back in the day when lucas was making the original star wars spielberg was making uh, close encounters of the third kind supposedly what happened was lucas they're friends so they he visited the set and he saw what Spielberg was doing, and he's like, oh, I love it, you know, this and that. And he said, there's no way my movie's going to fail, and yours is going to make, like, a tremendous amount of money. And they were going back and forth, and they were saying, no, no. And Lucas said, I'll give you, you know, some, like, 2%. They made a deal for, like, 2% of the gross of all time, or something like that, for um, whoever's movie made more money. Now, Close Encounters did great. But obviously, it didn't reach uh, Star Wars level. So I think, I don't know if the bet was over by 2015 because of uh, the Disney purchase. But by then, Lucas had paid $40 million to uh, Spielberg. Wow. Because Spielberg's technically like uh, some kind of producer or something on Star Wars, even though he never lifted a finger for it. That's crazy. So there's always cool things to find, like little nuggets that you don't know about. Have you read that book that just came out? I think it just came out anyways. It's a, that huge, like, $200 Star Wars archives book. I didn't. No, no, I don't have that one. Yeah, I, there's a few people I saw posting about it, and I guess there's a lot of throwback photos and insights. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I feel like there's just as much a desire to see the behind-the-scenes of the originals than there is for, like, all this new stuff. Why isn't Disney creating, like, a long documentary series just about the creation of star wars like i've actually tried searching for like i know they've made a few but it's kind of hard to find i feel like um recently they surfaced a behind the scenes of the empire strikes back 
it was like this long lost footage. But would you agree that there's there's not a ton oh, of yeah. it out there? And I feel like people would eat that up. There is, and there is a huge. I know, you know, every once in a while at the end of all these DVDs or Blu-rays, they put you know like a ten minute thing showing, but everybody watches. Oh yeah, um, you're right. There is there's a huge interest in that, and they could probably do like some kind of mini series or something, and it would be. I think it would be very, very popular, like you're saying. Because I was just thinking about that the other day. Like, what do I want to watch right now? Well, a documentary. But what about Star Wars? Where is that content? <laughs> like, it's kind of out there, but you got to dig for it. So I feel like one day they're just going to realize, like, that's a maybe a gold mine. It's a weird thing <laughs> that, that you know, Star Wars just there's just so much interest in that. You know, whether it's from a, a good or bad perspective, it, it just seems to have a life of its own. And you're right; it's like every facet of it people want to know about they want to know uh hey what pen did did george lucas use to uh write the first draft you know it's like right stuff you know it, it's just something of its own i don't know probably the first of its kind as far as well maybe not but as far as my generation goes you know i never seen something like it and it's funny because there's so many stories behind the stories, like the Alan Dean Foster story, which you'll hear us on the podcast shout out a lot because we've had him on the podcast a couple of times. But the story of Splinter of the Mind's Eye, I feel like no one knows that story. You know, it's such an interesting story. So there's just so much. Yeah, I have that too. I actually have that one. But it's so different compared to what Star Wars is now. That's what I remember in that novel. So I remember reading it around when Clone Wars or something came out. You know, I found it. It was hard to find, and somehow I found it. But you could see the vision was a little different over the years than what he had. Oh, definitely. Let's get back to writing. When you sit down to actually write an article, I guess first, what are the top three categories of writing that you do? I assume one, obviously, might be speculation stuff based on what's coming out. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of uh, op-ed stuff, but more from, I'm never trying to influence people as far as this is why you should have that opinion, you know, and you're wrong if you don't. Because I'm I'm a big fan of everyone has a point. But what I try to do is look for almost a um, a different way to look at something, you know, through a different lens. And I th- that's kind of like my, my favorite thing to do, or look at the philosophy of something behind it, why it was done this way. I do do a lot of news stuff and speculation, of course. But my favorite stuff is when I'm just talking about, you know, stuff like why I like The Last Jedi, like what you should look at a little differently in it. And if somebody doesn't agree with that, I'm fine with it. But, um, you know, if I can open up somebody's eyes to a little bit of different point of view, I'm happy doing that. I don't always get the, the same feedback from people, but that's all right. And what's your uh, your literal process for when you sit down? What does that look like? Are you going to a cafe? You're sitting at home. You have a cup of coffee. Like, what's your actual meat and potatoes? I used to have a process, but um, you know, family life changes that. So my process is, I make a plan to say I want to publish something, you know, by such and such date on this, and then it's uh, it's kind of all hands on deck whenever I get a chance to do it. You know, sometimes it's at night. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'm at work and break or something like that. My usual thing to do is kind of, I kind of free write a little bit when I start. And, uh, and then I kind of go back to it. You know, I take a little break from it and then I go back. Sometimes I, I get rid of the whole thing, but I know I'm getting something out there, you know, and then I can add whatever I need to in. So it, it's a little bit of a process for me. Like I said, I'm a little neurotic with it. 
So I'm always going back and I'll see a sentence and I'll be like, well, where can I say that a little better? Or this or that. But my process is just basically when I'm in it, I'm in it, you know, whatever time that may be. I know some people have specific times set. Uh, I just don't usually have the luxury to do that. I got to do it whenever I get the chance to. But one of the cool things I find when you do it is sometimes you find you have an opinion you didn't know you had. You know, it's like fleshed out a little bit. Do you write fiction as well? Or are you specifically just writing as a journalist? Nothing, yeah, nothing published. I do have a few things I work on, yeah. That's probably where I want to ahead, whether I self-publish something or not in the future. I do have some, some fiction I work on. Like I said, nothing out there yet. Is it sci-fi or is it, uh, can you talk about it or? Yeah, I mean, I have. Uh, <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, I have a few ideas out there. So I have one that's kind of, a lot of it's like multi-genre stuff. Though. You know, it's a little sci-fi, but a little mix of, well, have some kind of weird philosophical elements into them and stuff like that interwoven. But I think I have, um, and I think that's where we are kind of now, entertainment-wise. We've kind of grown into this multi-genre type of deal, right? Even with these comic book movies and stuff. Like, to me, the movie Logan, right? It's not just like a comic book movie. It's a Western on top of it in a weird way. And I think we're, we're kind of doing that with a, a lot of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that got a little off of what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I have a couple of stories I'm working on. One would just be like probably a straight, I guess it would be like almost dramatic piece, almost like uh, like an old independent film. That's the way I view it. Like when I'm watching a channel and I see somebody on, and I'm like, hey, I know that guy. I never heard of this movie, and I'm watching that. And then the other stuff I'm working on is a really long. There's some sci-fi elements into it, but a lot of um, probably some alternate history stuff. But it's kind of like based on everything I'm a fan of a little bit. So there's some of that mysticism of Star Wars in it. But it'll be a while before I'm done with it. <laughs> it just keeps going. And how do you look at that from your own career perspective? Is that something right now that's more of just a passion? Um, it's something I would love to transition into. Not that I don't like what I do now. I'm okay doing what I do. But um, I definitely would love to find a way to make writing. Whether I, I don't know if I'd ever give up. I, I like doing the articles. In fact, I kind of want to get into more long-form stuff if I could. I don't think there's anything I would give up, though, as far as, you know, I would never give up writing the articles just because I learned so much about what I'm writing about. And I and you kind of learn about yourself a little bit, though, as far as where you stand on something. And you know, sometimes as humans, I don't think we flesh out everything we feel where no matter what it is. When you're right, you kind of have a tendency to do that. It's something becomes more concrete. So I'll, I'll definitely always stick with that. But it definitely the next challenge is I would like to write some sort of fiction and, and get it out there, you know, whether I do it myself or somebody else publishes it. But I'm a little far off from that. So, Is there one thing that you've maybe learned during your time as a writer, one takeaway that you would like to share on the show to anyone who's listening? I have learned that, you know, when I was younger, even though I thought I was, I was pretty good at it, I think I was always scared of, uh, I think a lot of people, no matter what it is, are, are kind of scared to do what they want to do, right? So I think I've, it's kind of helped me grow past that. And it's also helped me in a lot of ways not to worry about what somebody thinks. And, you know, like what I mean, is like I, I remember writing that first article and um, 
<laughs> and for some reason, I thought, you know, it was going to open up this dialogue. And I remember seeing, you know, one of the first comments when I talked about The Last Jedi was uh, somebody trying to tell me I was trying to sell some kind of leftist agenda. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> it's like, and then just like, you know, a couple curses following that. But, you know, you can get past all that. I think a lot of people are scared of whatever the opinion is of someone else. And uh, it holds his back. And um, I think you just got to grind through it. I think you just got to do it. And then if you put out a product you're happy with, it, it doesn't matter what the opinion is. Or, you know what, it just helped me just to say, you know what, I didn't know if I could do this, but I did it. And then you take the next hurdle. So uh, it's been very important in my life. You know, it's definitely helped me in all the whole scope of my life. And definitely something I wouldn't give up. But if I was going to say something to somebody, I'd say just do what you got to do. Don't care about what anybody thinks. And maybe not care about what you think. Just keep going with it. Just keep pushing. And uh, and you'll get somewhere. Love it. Are you down for we like to call a series of seemingly random questions? It just sounds Love good. Them. They're questions. never that random. First one up is specifically about you. In your Twitter bio, you describe yourself as a Google search virtuoso. Can you <laughs> okay. please shed some light on what that means? Well, you know, I'm being tongue-in-cheek in a lot of that stuff, but uh, I have a thirst for knowledge, you know? So it's always like a laugh because I'm one of those people, somebody says something and they always laugh. They're like, oh, you're going to go Google that now, aren't you? You know, I'll be like, I never heard of that. And then I have to Google it. And I have to look at it from every perspective I can. And uh, everybody always laughs, whether it's at work or even at home. That's, uh, oh, there he goes. He's going to start Googling. We lost him. So I think I'm a virtuoso on Google. You need me to find something, you know, just hit me up on Twitter and I'll find it for you. There it is. You want to shout out your Twitter uh, handle just in case right now? Normally we, uh, have, we wait yeah. to the end, but you just said it. So why not? Sure. It's uh, J Jibber Jabber. And uh, yeah, if you want to find any of my work on there, you'll find it there. If not, you just go to Dork Side of the Force, and you can find me under Jason Burke or uh, Fansighted Entertainment. Or your Google needs. Yes, if you need it, just hit me up there. All right, next question. I like how we did that like outro piece kind of abstractly in the middle there. Coffee. You mentioned coffee, I feel like, a couple times in your online yes. uh, profiles. What is the relationship between coffee and getting the writing done? Um. Uh, well, coffee has more to do with getting my life going. So <laughs> I can't write without, you know, having the coffee first. Well, it's funny. Coffee and me didn't mix until, you know, probably six or seven years ago when I started my new job. So I always laugh about that because I, I didn't really, for the first, you know, 20-something, maybe 30-something years, drink coffee. Not on an extended basis. Now it's just like a way of life. You know, it's the first thing I do. So it's one of those things. Yeah, it definitely helps me get going. Yeah, it just helps me my whole life at this point. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. All right. Next question. If you could have fast food with any writer, living or dead, which writer would you choose? And which fast food restaurant would you bring them to? Oh, man. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, if it had to do with, with journalism, it would have to be Matt Taibbi. I just love Taibbi. I love the way he writes. He's got kind of that uh, new journalism sound to him. I think I try to rip him off a little bit sometimes. And let's see, fast food. Oh, we'd have to go like Sonic because I just don't have it enough. Can I do a, a second on that? Yeah, go for it. 
So uh, fiction-wise, mm, cliched maybe, but I always loved Hemingway, just because I love just how he said he always starts with the first true declarative sentence in any piece of writing. And he really does do that, if you ever read anything he writes. And, uh, I mean, I don't think he'd be a fast food guy. He seems like he's more of a, uh, what is it, like a cigar bar type person. But, you know, maybe I'll take him to In-N-Out Burger. There it is. Again, another burger I never get to have because it's on the West Coast. All right. Last random question. If you could take any Star Wars character to a any place mm-hmm. in Star Wars or planet, who would you take and where? Oh, man. Such a good question. Jeez. Um, you know, who seems interesting? Anakin seems a little whiny for me. <laughs> Obi-Wan might get over the top. <laughs> you know, he seems like he'd be good to like hang out with a little bit, and then I'd be like, "All right, all right, enough with the with the lessons." <laughs> uh, maybe Qui Gon because he seems Ooh, like Qui-Gon. a hippie-ish. Yeah, a little bit of a hippie-ish Jedi. And what was it? Where would he? Where would he take me? Um, let's just go to the cantina because that's where it all started, right? The uh, Mos Eisley one. Cantina looks like a lot of fun. It does look like a lot of fun. I wonder if they're that's gonna. I, I, did I read that right? They're doing that at the uh, the new Disneyland, oh. the Disney World Star. Wars oh, I believe place. that. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna actually serve alcohol, so it's gonna be a bunch of you know scum and villainy. Might, yeah, it's gonna be a hive <laughs> of scum and villainy. Exactly. Speaking of which, you know that there's a bar on the West Coast called that, right? I think um, it's just yeah, really. yeah, and it's the place um, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin host their podcast from, like live from the that spot. I'll be Google searching that as soon as I get off. That's there cool. it is. On that note, I think we've uh, arrived at our destination of uh, <laughs> completing this episode. But thank you, man. It's great to finally connect with you in real life and uh, hear about writing, talk Star Wars. This one was fun. Yes, sir. We'll have to uh, meet up sometime when I'm in the city. We will. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks right. for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. You too. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, we hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.